0: Radio Network. Fantasy Sports Today It's going down right here.
1: <laughs> we had a big week five in the NFL and for your fantasy teams, and we are here on Fantasy Sports Today to break it all down. I'm your host, Dane Martinez. They call me speed, statistician. Usually we got Mike Blewett in, but on a Monday, we got the king, Scott Angle to look back on all things fantasy football related on a Sunday. We look ahead to Monday Night Football tonight as they close out week five. The Washington football team traveling to the Dome in New Orleans to take on the Saints. So thank you to everybody listening on iHeartRadio, TuneIn Radio, Radio, and as Mike Blewett would say, a number of terrestrial radio stations across the country. Thank you, Scotty Angle. How are you doing, my man?
2: I'm doing pretty good. You know, I had a good week in both seasonal and daily. Uh, Feeling pretty good in the Marquez Valdez-Scantling kind of way.
1: Absolutely. We talked about this in the last hour, that the Green Bay Packers, although despite the loss, had guys like Equimus St. Browns and Marcus Valdez-Scantling in for Randall Cobb and Geronimo Allison, and it looks like Aaron Rodgers, if you're open, he'll find you, Aaron Rodgers, with a huge day. Aaron Rodgers winds up going, oh, let's bring that one back up, 442 yards and three touchdowns, completing 32 passes, but it is still the Detroit Lions that wind up with that victory. able to establish the run in a win in the NFC North. But here's what I got to let people know, Scotty, okay? Because honestly, we've been at it already for the last hour. If you download, if you subscribe to Fantasy Sports Today, on Mondays and on Wednesdays, you're also going to want to make sure you get Roto Experts in the morning, okay? Because what we do is we take not just one hour from 8 to 9 a.m., but we take two hours to either react to everything we saw on Sunday or preview everything we are going to see in the next Sunday. It is very important that you see this as a two-hour block because we are going through it all. However, the number to call if you want to get down with us is 844-843-6879. You can follow us on Twitter at Spittin' Speeds and at X. And so I say that because we broke down all the early one o'clock kickoffs in the previous hour. We're going to zoom in on the late afternoon games and on the Sunday night game here. But before we do Scotty. I want to reset the injuries. Here are the ones that I saw that might matter for fantasy teams in Los Angeles. Cooper Cup and um, and Brandon Cooks leave both with concussions, leaving maybe Robert Woods as the last member of the greatest show on... Uh on surf, as they are now calling themselves. Um, also, in San Francisco, <laughs> Matt Breida with an ankle injury. It looked bad, but they're saying he's, uh, you know, he escaped maybe serious injury. We'll get more words on that. I want to hear what your thoughts on that. Corey Grant, it looks like, in Jacksonville, suffered a Liz Frank injury. We know about Leonard Fournette already, so what does that mean for Jacksonville? And then our guy in Detroit, carry on my wayward son. He had an ankle, but they say he is fine. The Detroit Lions also have a bye next week let's go one by one on these scotty and talk about the outlook i know we don't know definitively but let's give the fantasy owners out there broad strokes on what they can expect in terms of kind of the next man up shall we say matt breeder with an ankle injury listen they've had horrible luck in san francisco scott you know Jarek mckinnon before the season starts jimmy garoppolo goes down now matt breeder looks like he's got an ankle injury If, and I know we don't know just yet, Scott, but for the the sake of this conversation, let's say they are missing time. If Matt Breida is to miss time, what do we do? Is it Alfred Morris? Is it Raheem Mostart? What are you looking for in terms of next man up for San Francisco?
2: Uh, It's Alfred Morris being the main ball carrier and Raheem Mostart maybe being a complimentary piece for some pass catching and and change of pace. But uh, I don't know if you really want part of this backfield if if Matt Breida is not going to be there.
1: Okay, you know what I would want part of? And that's the Rams passing offense. I'd want any piece I can get of it. But Cooper Cup goes down, and Brandon Cooks go down into the cold, dark, quiet room. They have to go to the tent, you know, that light sensitivity, stuff like that, with the concussions. We know about Robert Woods, but, you know, Goff is finding anybody and and everybody who will be there. He still goes for 321 yards. So how do we play this greatest show on surf if – Cup, and if Cooks are even out, we still want a piece of this pass offense, right?
2: Yeah, but it's hard to say who's going to step up. Will Josh Reynolds do anything, and what's his ceiling? Uh, We really don't know. Maybe Tyler Higby gets more involved, but it just could be a lot of funneling the ball to Todd Gurley and Robert Woods.
1: Okay, so that's on that side. And then, listen, Scott, this is an intriguing one to me. In Jacksonville, Corey Grant. Okay, gets a Liz Frank injury. It sounds like Jacksonville sending him to IR. And you may be like Speeds, why are you talking about the number three running back on a team like it's a big deal? Well, in Jacksonville, Scotty, we already know. We've already heard from inside injuries. We've already talked about Leonard Fournette for a while. How they brought him back too soon? Maybe against the Jets, he missed la- this week. There's reports out that he missed we miss next week. There's reports. You know, we hear from inside injuries. It may be a lost season. So then you start to think, just like in Atlanta, when Devontae Freeman went down, it was Tevin Coleman and the number 3 guy, Ido Smith. In this situation, without Leonard Fournette, it's been T.J. Yeldon and Corey Grant. Now Corey Grant is gone. Talk to me. Are we talking about the potential that T.J. Yeldon becomes a workhorse back in fantasy, Scott?
2: Well, Corey Grant was pretty irrelevant. Uh, You know, he wasn't really doing much at all. T.J. Yeldon already is the guy. You know, the only remote question you have is, who's the handcuff now? And you, there's no answer. You know, they might have to sign somebody off the practice squad, somebody off the street. But, you know, Corey Grant wasn't a thing at all. Uh, you know, it is TJ Yeldon, it's, it has been TJ Yeldon.
1: Okay, so I guess then my question for you is if, you know, let's, you know, TJ, uh, excuse me, Grant is on IR, so we know he's done. A lot of reports, Scott, that Leonard Fournette may be out week six as well. I know I don't want to get ahead of myself, but, you know, we have been down on his injury Kind of uh, status for a while here on this show, and at least with this network, with inside injuries and Doctor A are guys that help produce uh, predict injuries. You know, with their algorithms. If you don't want to listen to me, take it from Jeff the Skeleton, okay? But here's my thing, Scott. When you come out with ranks, you know, we talk about the that. Um, You know, when you make your running back ranks, you talk about if you're not one of those, like, top seven or eight backs because there are so few workhorses and there's so many committees where everyone gets involved. Is Jacksonville now a place where we have a legit lead workhorse in TJ Yeldon? Like, do you put TJ Yeldon inside your top ten for the next couple of weeks as long as Fournette is out as well?
2: Inside Injuries is saying he could miss another three-plus weeks, could be a lost season for his fantasy owners, so uh you know he already, he already was there he, he was he, he was uh he was in my top ten last week
1: okay and there 's nothing and this only makes him even better right like i mean are you putting it, it
2: doesn 't make a difference to me Corey grant was irrelevant
1: okay um so but but that is to say, we believe t j Eldon is an r b one moving forward right and you 're in the short term at least right until Leonard fournette comes back,
2: yeah because he 's versatile and he's he 's going to get a lot of work.
1: Yeah, absolutely. All right. Everybody remember if you want to join the fun here in the next hour, the number to call is 844 843. What is it, Scotty? 6879. Six, eight, 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 That's it. You say it all the time. You're going to want to let the people know. I also want to let the people know, Scotty, that BetDSI is celebrating 20 years as the industry's biggest and safest betting site. They have great customer service and fast, easy payment of winnings. You can play virtually every sport at BetDSI. Hundreds of wagering options, including live in game wagering on all major sporting events, where you can make your play anytime during the game. BetDSI is offering now a $1,000 bonus on your first deposit as well if you enter the promo code FNTSY. So head on over to BetDSI and start winning today. That is BetDSI.com. Enter the promo code FNTSY. All right, Scotty, I told everybody we talked about the early games last hour on Roto Experts in the morning. You want to check that out. But let's look at some of these afternoon games. The Los Angeles Chargers get their third win of the season as they beat uh, Gruden and the Oakland Raiders 26-10. to The Chargers now at 3-2. and Listen, there are only two losses are to two teams who are combined 10 and 0 they lost to the chiefs and they lost to the rams and they you know they lost by double digits in both of them but we're kind of hanging around in those games so the charges at three and two are still there philip rivers 339 yards and two touchdowns melvin gordon gets into the end zone via the ground as well but i gotta tell you scotty I'm asking you again, does Austin Eckler have standalone value regardless of Melvin Gordon? I mean, today, you wouldn't have thought too much. He only gets, what, 59 yards combined from scrimmage, but he does get in the end zone. If you started uh, Austin Eckler, you still got yourself, you know, what, 12, 13 points? And I'll take that during the bye weeks, you know. Is Austin Eckler someone you need to add regardless
2: Uh, I think, I think he's rosterable in a lot of competitive, he's rostered already in a lot of competitive leagues. It's just a question of, you know, whether you use him in any given week. I had him top 14 going into this week going against the Raiders. Had a long catch and run, and then he also had a touchdown. This is a great flex play and a, you know, a must start when you plug it in for somebody as a bye week. In most competitive leagues, if you want us to Austin Eckler, you're going to have to trade for him.
1: Yeah, he's probably owned a lot in leagues because they listen to the Fantasy Sports Network and we've been talking about him for a while. Listen, Scotty, here's the funny part, though. We've been thinking for a while that the Chargers' run defense could be had, but not by the Oakland Raiders. The Raiders combined for about 40 yards on the ground in total. Marshawn Lynch, only nine carries for 31 yards, only another 10 in the air, so he was a little bit of a fugazi for you. If you started Marshawn Lynch, he only gets you 41 combined yards. Nothing to speak of on the ground is this because – and you remember people were talking about Jalen Rashard as a possible waiver wire ad. We were like, we poo-pooed that. But um, where do you go with this Oakland offense? I mean, only 40 yards on the ground. Jordy Nelson gets the touchdown. Where He gets four for 43, kind of salvaging his day, 14 points in PPR scoring. But honestly, Scott, was this more because, let's say, the Chargers were up you know, 17-3, and they were out of game flow. What's up with the running game in Oakland here? Only 40 yards on the ground.
2: Well, you know, they got scripted out because of their defense pretty it much. It was game flow. And some mistakes on offense as well. You know, Marshawn Lynch is still the guy here. He's 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 scored in, in uh, all but two games that he's played so far, three of five games. You know, and he's still running really, really well. So, uh, you know, I'm not worried about what this Raiders backfield is. You know, Rashard... Com- That's the one thing. No, if they're going to get scripted out in some weeks because they're a bad team, it is going to hurt Marshawn Lynch. As far as Jordy Nelson, you know, don't look now, but you know this guy is a high-end wide receiver four at least. You know, I think he scored in three straight games. He's not the Jordy Nelson of all, but there's there's a PPR floor with him. Amari Cooper, you don't yep. use a, Don't don't use him in odd-numbered weeks because he always disappoints you. He only seems to do well in even-numbered weeks. It just There's no rhyme or reason, but, you know, there's Martavis Bryant at 90 yards, and if Amari Cooper doesn't look out, you know, he's going to start losing some looks to Martavis Bryant.
1: So talk to me about this more because that's where I was going to go. This Oakland wide receiving core coming into the season, people were like, oh, Amari Cooper might be the wide-out one. Gruden may force-feed him. We, everyone, A lot of people coming into the season were saying that Jordy Nelson was washed, and a lot of people said that they would want Martavis Bryant nowhere near their roster or, quite frankly, their favorite team's locker room because of his, you know, kind of storied past. <laughs> Um, Cooper still seems to be a Fugazi, only one catch for 10 yards. It seems like Jordy Nelson is the touchdown maker and the most consistent wide receiver here. And Martavis Bryant, we saw it on some plays, like literally the play where he did fumble. You also saw a flash of his incredible athleticism and skill. What do you make of this Raiders wide receiving group? Like rest of season, Scotty, which wide receiver would you rather have in Oakland, Jordy Nelson or Amari Cooper?
2: I'd rather have Jordy Nelson. There's a floor there every week. It's you know, there's more upside for Cooper, but you know, the downside is is too too negative.
1: So. Uh, well, t- t- talk to me then. If, is, is You said Nelson is a high-end wide receiver four, so maybe finds himself into flex plays during the bye weeks. What are you doing with Amari Cooper? You're just benching him? Because I'm telling you, Scott, I'm going to hear left and right on social media, we told you about Amari Cooper. I want to cut Amari Cooper. I want to cut Amari Cooper. I, I'm not there yet, Scotty. I'm not at a place where I'm going to cut Amari Cooper. Part of it is because the Raiders are one and four. They're losing games. I got to believe that there's still going to be some garbage time production. I still got to believe that Amari Cooper is going to be valuable. Listen, last year, Scotty, I was completely off Amari Cooper. I was making fun of Amari Cooper. I was telling everyone, Crabtree is the Raiders wide receiver to own over Amari Cooper. And then there was that one Thursday night, you know, against Kansas City where he winds up with 200 yards and some touchdowns, putting it in my eye. Like, I feel like as soon as we get to the precipice with Amari Cooper, that's exactly when he turns around and has the big game. What do we doing with him trying to trade him are we benching him are we cutting him what are we doing with Amari Cooper Scott
2: well there's nothing he can do you're not going to be able to get any value for him really uh in return unless you trade him for somebody else who's completely erratic and inconsistent if you make it a wide receiver running back trade you wanted to trade Amari Cooper for like Royce Freeman you might be able to do it but uh that that's the whole thing with Amari Cooper. He drives you crazy. He's too unpredictable. We thought this was going to be a good matchup, and it turned out not to be. If you put him on your bench, he goes off. If You put him in your lineup, he doesn't do good. Yeah, you know, I would. If, if I had Amari Cooper, you know, and, and I drafted him, which I which I only did in one league this right. year, I tried. I try to get rid of him because, and you know, maybe take the hit because I just don't want to deal with the headache anymore.
1: So let me ask you about this, right? And 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 I hear you. I want to drill down a little bit on this before we have another break here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network because there's so many players out there, right? Where like the sky is falling, you know, and everyone's like, "Oh, I want to cut this player." All right, after 5 weeks, Scott, would you recommend maybe like shopping your underperforming guys? and almost just trying to get another underperforming guy. I know it makes no sense because these are fantasy players and not real players, but it's almost like the change of scenery thing, right? Like in real sports. You're like, "Oh, we're going to trade this guy and a change of scenery may make him may may get him kicked into gear." Do you want to maybe just unload the guys who have been frustrating you and get a guy that's been frustrating someone else? Like for example, would you trade Amari Cooper for like Alex Collins right now?
2: Ah uh. Uh, no upside, to Alex Collins. It's like those kind of trades. No upside trades, to Amari
1: Cooper. That's what I'm
0: saying. Yes, there is.
2: There's upside. There is. There is upside. But there, there, there's a big downside. I would rather keep Amari Cooper than pick up Alex Collins. But if I'm going to trade Amari Cooper, I want to trade him for somebody disappointing, where I would believe that maybe they would possibly turn it around.
1: Right. That's what I'm saying. You know? Can I can see? And a I don't lot of believe that with Alex.
2: On. I don't believe that with Alex Collins. You that's know, why okay, Roy. So That's why I mentioned Royce Freeman. You know, there's a possibility at some point, you know, maybe they get him more work.
1: But, Scott, the thing is, you know, if we just talk about that one player, Royce Freeman, then we are only helping out owners who have those exact two players. What I'm trying to do is zoom out. I'm talking about that type of player, not not just,
2: just him specifically.
1: Right. So then, when I suggest Alex Collins as the type of player, you can't go back about the individual. We are talking about it generally speaking. So my question for you is: Generally speaking, do you think this is a point of time in the in the year where teams are going to start trading their disappointing players for other disappointing players?
2: I can see it, but uh... yeah. I'm not going to trade for an Alex Collins. I'd rather...
1: Right, but we're not talking about the individual, Scotty. That's the point. We have to. We'll come back and clarify it some more. It's Fantasy Sports Today on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Welcome back. It is Play the end of the sport today. Is that what it is? That's true. They will be back home in the Bronx. And in the fifth inning, when they clean the grounds crew comes out. It's a long-standing tradition. The YMCA. Uh, I can tell you some stories offline, Scotty, about remixes of that song that used to happen in the right field bleachers. But it is not yeah, necessarily s- is not necessarily sensitive given the uh, 2018 culture that we live in. But yes, Game Three of the ALDS, and they renewed their rivalry the New York Yankees and the Boston Red Sox. Real quick on this one, Scotty, I got to tell you, you as you know, with the Yankee fan in me and all, I've been on this mindset that I want to pull Gary Sanchez for defensive replacements as soon as possible because he's really been frustrating me defensively all season long. But if he's going to hit two home runs every game, I guess we got to find this bat in the lineup, huh?
2: Yeah, that's the trade-off, really. Uh, you're the, off- <laughs> the offense for the defense. You know, you when I, as a Met fan, you know, I used to experience it uh, more to a pronounced degree with Piazza. But uh, you know, with Piazza, it, it, it was more about throwing out runners. You know, he was a really good handler of pitchers. But you know, that was the trade-off. You want to trade off the offense for the defense.
1: Yeah, these pass balls that uh, I'm still worried every time. And, you know, every base runner, every base matters in the playoffs. But I digress. We'll see the uh, game three of the ALDS between the Yankees and the Red Sox, as well as the rest of the uh, playoffs, continue on. Uh, congratulations to the Milwaukee Brewers, who have already advanced to the NLCS with their sweep of. The Colorado Rockies. I also want to tell people to head on over to DailyRoto.com. It is the industry's leading daily fantasy site that has produced seven separate FanDuel and DraftKings millionaire tournament winners, millions more for smaller prizes for our countless subscribers. We've already told you about Colin Drew, who hit for over 72 grand yesterday. We'll break down his lineup a little bit later on in the show. But if you want to join in that kind of action, go to DailyRoto.com and click on the Grow Premium tab. You can use the same tools. for for daily fantasy lineups and you could use that for things like against the spread picks, money line picks, totals, and more. So go on, on over to DailyRoto.com enter the promo code FNTSY for a special discount. That's DailyRoto.com, the industry website with millionaires are made, literally. Hey, Scotty, our guy, the manimal Chris Bavona down there in the fantasy pit of misery, dilly dilly to him. I don't know if he'd like, you know, a Bud Light or a nice autumnal mead, but in any event, we are celebrating down there. He He's played the that mead, YMCA. Yeah what's that
2: he's the bead guy
1: is he does, is Bavona the guy who likes the autumnal Mead? We will yes. find out, but listen we are celebrating because there are now no more winless teams in the National Football League the Arizona Cardinals get their first win of the season against San Francisco making them both one and four and looking up at the Rams in that division but I digress listen the Cardinals get 28 points. They win 28 18. Scotty, you talked about their defense. You liked their defense as a streaming play. You were all over it, Scotty. I got to give you props. They turned San Francisco over five times, including a defensive touchdown. Their defense runs the day because, listen, the Cardinals win 28 18, but Josh Rosen only throws for 170 yards. This was their defense, huh, Scotty?
2: Yeah, it was. You know, with the, uh, with the sacks, uh, they had four sacks as well. Five turnovers, the touchdown. Yeah, you know, they scored over twenty points. I use them in just about every one of my leagues, except for where I had the Jaguars. Jaguars still got me eight and a half points. And the one okay. thing we saw is that Christian Kirk, for the second time in three weeks, you know, he uh, he was a playmaker. Nobody else won. Well, well we, we did see sort of a resurgence from David Johnson. It was this offense will move decently enough under Rosen to get him some goal line carries? And uh, Christian Kirk certainly worth the pickup
1: yeah you got to think that let me ask you something because you know I like to you know I like to find a narrative on some of these things Scott and sometimes it's there sometimes it's not you know what I've heard is this idea that maybe Rosen builds chemistry with a guy like Christian Kirk because they're both on the second string so they're playing there with the twos and the twos on the practice field and preseason is there a chance that you know um, Christian Kirk and Rosen have some chemistry that was not there with Bradford and that can help the kind of emergence of Christian Kirk now that Rosen is is under center. Do you buy that at all?
2: Yeah, you know, rookie to rookie. You know, these guys might be connected for a while.
1: Yeah, they had mini camp together. They're on the second string in training camp together. They may know where each other are on the field a little bit more, right? Yes. All right, Christian Kirk, three catches, 85 yards, and a touchdown. Talk to me about Larry Fitzgerald, though, Scotty. Fitzgerald, we know he's not 100%, okay? I understand that. But two for 35, if you're starting him out there, you're looking for more than that. Are you trading Amari Cooper for Larry Fitzgerald, Scotty?
2: No, because, you know, if I'm trade to trade Amari Cooper, you know, I'm going to sell him as you know, here's a guy that can get you, you know, a big game, you know, once every few weeks with Larry Fitzgerald. I don't have any confidence I can get anything going forward. You know, it's it's when you make a trade of two players at the same position, you don't fill a need, and you don't you know, you don't get any increase in value to me. You know, there's no appeal for an offer like that for me. Larry Fitzgerald, right. it's more of a question right now: is he is is he a cut candidate? And in a ten-team league, for sure. In uh in a twelve-team league. It depends on who you're picking up. I mean, do you want Larry Fitzgerald or do you want Kiki QT right now? Let's be realistic. Let's strip the name off the back of the jersey. And if the name wasn't Larry Fitzgerald, I don't know if he'd be on a lot of rosters right now.
1: Yeah, I think my how the mighty have fallen a little bit. I don't know. Listen, he's banged up. That's one thing. He's got a rookie quarterback now. That's another thing. He's got a team that, you know, is mostly inept on offense. They're one and four, for goodness sakes. But you got to feel for the guy, Larry Fitzgerald. um, Only two catches, 35 yards. On the other side of things, it's one of those things that we just talk about, like with some of these other uh, garbage time games. I mean, C.J. Bethard winds up with 349 yards in the air and two touchdowns on the receiving sides of things, though. I gotta tell you, George Kittle, if he's not on your roster already, if he's available in your league, go grab him. We've talked about how tight end is a wasteland, so I've got to assume, Scott, that George Kittle is owned, but another decent game out of him. Five catches, 83 yards. I remember you talk about the chemistry. He and C.J. Bethard, both Iowa eye- Hawkeyes. He was his tight end in college. He's his tight end now. George Kittle, in my opinion, Scotty, firmly on the tight end one roster moving forward.
2: Yeah, he certainly is. Uh, you know, Beathard is a guy uh, for defenses to target. Not just the Cardinals this week against the Chargers the previous week. He was taking yeah. a ton of big hits. That offensive line is banged up. It's not playing well. Whoever the 49 is play, it's not just to keep the score down. It's about sacks and turnovers right now. And he really doesn't have any playmakers other than Kittle.
1: All right, fair enough. Talk to me. We we mentioned it at the top of the hour, but recap this already for me because Matt Breida goes down with an ankle. It looks like, uh, you know, we'll get news on that. But if he is to miss any time, is this Alfred Morris all by himself as the last man standing? Or do they get Mostard in? But when Most Mostard, I, I believe he fumbled also in this game. So they want no part of that. Is yes, this if – if Breida is out, right, is this just all Alfred Morris? Do we start to see something out of, like, Kyle Juszczyk, for goodness sakes? What do we do here? Is this Morris all of a sudden as, like, a RB1 in terms of workload, not in terms of skill? But is he going to get, you know, is he going to get 19 carries next week?
2: He might. But, you know, with this offense, uh, I really wouldn't trust any particular players other other than Kittle. Uh, there could be weeks where, you know, they get game scripted they just – They don't have the potency to play catch-up against certain teams, so I'm really avoiding the 49ers other than Kittle.
1: All right. In our main game, the America's Game of the Week in the 4 o'clock windows, the Minnesota Vikings and the Philadelphia Eagles. The Vikings go on the road and get a W, 23-21 against Philadelphia. The Eagles now, don't look now, but the defending champions are under 500 and 2-3 and uh, regardless of what happens in Washington with Washington tonight. They'll be behind the Washington football team. The Vikings get a much-needed win to go to 2-2-1 two, two on the season. I gotta tell you something about this game, Scotty. This was like garbage time personified. Listen, I'm in so many leagues, right? I own shares of Zachary. And then I was facing Zach Ertz in another league where I needed something where it was a closer matchup. And, you know, going into this last drive, Zach Ertz had something like three catches for 30 yards, something like that, right? Then, when the Vikings are in prevent, he gets a 25 yard catch. Then, right away, he gets another 15 yard catch. Then, right away after that, there's something like a 15 yard touchdown. And Zach Ertz finishes with 10 catches, 110 yards, and a touchdown, looking like the guy to own it all, Philly pass catchers, and he certainly is. Zach Ertz, top three tight end for sure. Big day out of him.
2: Yeah, whether it's garbage time or regular game flow, you know, Ertz is their number one pass catcher. It, you know, it, It's clear. Like with, Just like with the Patriots with Gronk, but it's even right. more clear You know, on the Eagles that he is the number one guy. No matter what the game flow is, you're going to get good numbers most every week.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, You know, he gets 10 catches. Aguilar only four for 45. Alshon Jeffrey only two for 39. Wendell Smallwood, though, let's talk about him, Scotty. I mean, you know, Ajayi only gets 29 yards on the ground. Smallwood, 27 yards on the ground. But Smallwood, out of the backfield, three for 44 with a touchdown. Is Wendell Smallwood someone I need to target, or is he only getting burned because guys like Darren Sproles and Corey Clement are not in there?
2: Well, Corey, this is going to be a committee. And if injuries continue to be an issue, he'll play an expanded role. Even if it does, he'll he'll be part of the committee. You know, Jay Ajayi is playing with that back fracture, so you know I have Jay Ajayi in one league, and I'm, I'm rostering Smallwood as as a handcuff.
1: OK, but that's the thing. I guess that's my question. You think Smallwood is the handcuff or is really the handcuff like Corey Clement? He's just banged up is really the guy to own Darren Spoles in a PPR kind of format. And he's just not there because he's banged up like there's going to be a point really soon where these guys are all, you know, as healthy as they're going to be. When there's four guys in this committee, how do you play it when Ajayi and Clement and Sproles and Smallwood are all viable? How do you think the pie is divided at that point?
2: I think right now you take it on a week-to-week basis. We don't know when Sproles is coming back. Clement was active, but they didn't use him at all. You know, the Eagles have been known to you know, do things like that. So for right now, I'm rostering Smallwood because last time we saw Clement have to step up, he didn't do anything. Uh, Smallwood is the guy I want to have. I don't know when Sproles is coming back. And if a Ajayi was to go down again, I think Smallwood would be more productive than Clement.
1: Okay, fair enough. On the other side of things here, we look at these Minnesota Vikings, right? Kirk Cousins goes 30 for 37, 301 yards. But here's what I got to say, Scotty. This Minnesota Vikings team, we've talked about, like, the offensive line. They can't run the ball. They really can't run the ball much at all. I know Dalvin Cook was out again, but I'm concerned about him moving forward. This hamstring injury that he's got is a problem. Where is it? The knee? I forget. No, he's coming off the ACL. I think he's got a hammy now, but he yes. wasn't in again. You know, he, he came back a little too soon on Thursday Night Football. Latavius Murray, I've said for a while, is kind of just a guy. He goes 11 for 42. It's Stephon Diggs with, two, you know, with 25 yards rushing, but the main point I want to make is Honestly, Scott, this offense is really, you know, Adam Thielen, Stefan Diggs, and not a whole lot else. Thielen, 7 for 116 and a Tud. Diggs for 10 for 97, as well as the 25 yards on the run game. Are the Minnesota, is this one-two punch the best wide receiver combo in the NFL, Scott, over, say, like Pittsburgh, over Atlanta, over the herd with the Rams? Are Thielen and Diggs the best one-two punch at wide receiver in the NFL?
2: Yes, because they're in my top 10 lineup ranks on rotoexperts.com every single week. You know, two 10-catch games in a row for Stefan Diggs, and he's not even the number one wide receiver on this team. Like you said, they have absolutely no running game. We don't know when Dalvin Cook is coming back. Kyle Rudolph creeps in a little bit there. So does Laquan Treadwell. Treadwell creeps in a little bit here and there. But, you know, this team is throw, throw, throw. Uh their defense has been disappointing. They're going to continue to throw. This is easily the one the best one-two combination, and I thought they were in the preseason too.
1: Even up against, say, an Antonio Brown and a Juju Smith-Schuster. Yeah, yeah. You because like I, think,
2: number I one. think I think I think Thielen's like number three right now overall, behind Hopkins hmm. and Brown, maybe number four. Okay. Uh, but I would probably say number three. Michael Thomas uh, has
1: to be in there as well, though. Michael, Th- I would overall, say when I do my
2: season ranks tomorrow. I'm probably gonna have Brown number one still, yeah. just because you, you you know it's it's going to continue to come. It might be Hopkins though. It's a, I'm going back. And well, forth. I'm just I talking think-
1: about Michael Thomas is another guy I would have over Thielen. I have the I would have the top three as Brown, D Hop, and Michael Thomas based on his hot start.
2: <sighs> That's tough. I would probably go Hopkins, Brown. Then it's a tough call between Thielen and Thomas. And okay. I, I, I feel like Thielen's going to get in the end zone more frequently, so I'm going to give it to Thielen. And then All you right. look at smith verse versus Stephon Diggs. Uh, I think I'm going to get more catches and yardage overall out of mm-hmm. Stephon Diggs.
1: Yeah, no, I hear that for sure. But, you know, interestingly enough, both – correct me if I'm wrong, Scotty, but you believe you're comfortable with Thielen or Diggs as a wide receiver one. Isn't Diggs a back-end wide-out one at this point also?
2: Yeah, he certainly is. They're both wide receiver right. ones. The thing, the thing with Thielen right now is, like, Michael Thomas gets so many catches, and he's such a right. target monster and almost right. in a DeAndre Hopkins kind of way. But I feel like I'm going right. to get more yardage and more touchdowns from Thielen.
1: No, I hear you. But listen, let's put it this way. If you have any of those guys, right, you're starting them yeah. every single week. I don't care if they're facing the Jacksonville Jaguars. I don't care if they're facing the Los Angeles Rams. I don't care who they're facing. These guys are getting them in on a week-to-week basis. But listen, Scott, here's the thing. One of the things that also, you talk about D-Hop and these kind of wide receivers. One of the things that, listen, I said, and I'm not piling on, Scott, but I talked about how bad or potentially risky offensive lines can completely change the team's composition. We said that in Minnesota, and now look, they got no running game to speak of, right? There's still 500, but it's all passing, and the last team I want to talk about was the same exact thing. Scotty, you know I felt the same way about this Houston Texans offensive line, and they have no running game to speak of either. Alfred Blue, for God's sakes, is in there, right? And he gets 46 yards, but more importantly, here's the thing. It won't look that bad for fantasy. We just talked about the Minnesota offensive line so there's no run game. It's all Kirk Cousins. It's all Thielen. It's all digs On Houston, right, we talk about how there's no run game. We talk about how that offense is a problem. But Deshaun Watson, still 375 yards in the air. He gets a touchdown. He also runs for 40 yards. But honestly, Scott, here's what I'm going to say. You said it about Devontae Freeman on Friday after our talk with Dr. A and inside injuries. I'm telling you right now, Scotty, Deshaun Watson is not going to last the season at this pace. Forget about the pressure that defenses are putting on him and him running around. There was not once, not twice, but three times, Scotty, where Deshaun Watson got absolutely crushed by like the two or the three-yard line trying to run it in. I am worried for Deshaun Watson's long-term health. I don't think he's going to make it out of the season without getting concussed.
2: Yeah, we've, we've seen it with, uh, with Cam Newton uh, as well. So, yeah, but Cam it's Newton's funny 260 pounds. Yeah, well, I'm saying, and he still got hurt, right? Because, yeah. you know, that, yeah. that style of play. You're by the bad offensive line, and, you know, you, you're throwing your body out there, you know. And, you know, this is it's, sometimes I have this conversation with other Seahawks fans where they say, you know, Wilson's going to get hurt. I'm like, Russell Wilson hasn't missed a game yet because Russell Wilson knows when to slide when no one's going to go out of bounds. Deshaun Watson doesn't do that.
1: Yeah, really. I mean, Scott, I don't know if you saw the full game because it was late, right? But there were three times where he gets literally, he really gets nailed. Jalen Smith crushes him once. There was a, a safety crushes him once. Like, I understand going for the pylon, right? But they got to take it like he is their franchise, right? Him and New Hopkins are their offense on some level. Like, they got to learn how to keep him healthy.
2: Yeah, it's, it's kind of a Robert Griffin. It's, this career.
1: it's really a shame. We're going to come back and break down a little bit more of this game on the other side of the break. Then we're going to also preview Monday Night Football as the Saints and the Washington football team finish up week five. Dane and Scott, it's FST on the award winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Dressed in yellow, she says hello. Come sit next to me, you fine fellow. The king Scott Angle and the spitting statistician Dane Martinez on Fantasy Sports Today, breaking down all the action from Week Five of the season, and then we'll look ahead at the cherry on top tonight as the Washington football team goes down into the dome where the Saints are going to look to stand up and get crunk and keep pace in the NFC South. But Scotty, we were talking about this Texans and Cowboys game. A couple more things I want to ask you about on the Texans side. We just talked about how I am afraid for Deshaun Watson's health. I think the fantasy numbers are there. They're going to continue to be there because there is no semblance of a running game in Houston. Watson's running around making plays or trying to, but I'm worried he's going to get crushed. DeAndre. Hopkins continues to be a top three wide receiver. Nine catches 151 yards but there are two follow-up questions I have for you, Scott, on the Houston Texans. The first that I was going to ask you is, remember last week I mentioned the name Deontay Foreman, right? And there are reports that Deontay Foreman may be able to come back as early as week seven when he is first eligible to come back off the pup list. We see that in the words of Corey Parsons, Lamar Miller sucks, didn't even get in there. Alpha Blue, I know they like, but he was what, less than two and a half yards a carry. Does this encourage you, maybe, that Dante Foreman is worth more of a pickup and stash at this point to maybe, maybe be an option later on down the road?
2: A little bit more than last week. Uh, you know, Miller missing the game with a chest injury, even mm-hmm. the, uh you know, pretty much heard in the morning yesterday that they didn't expect him to play. Alfred Blue was—he uh, was more of an asset in the passing game than we've seen Lamar Miller be. So, uh, if, even if Lamar yeah. Miller comes back soon, you, Blue may continue to cut into the workload. But he turned out to be a good one-week play if you plugged him in as, as a flex, uh, say, or used him, you know, because Jordan Howard was out or something, something like that. Uh, right. Look, you know, this is a big injury to come back from an Achilles, so. Uh, I would say, yeah, go ahead and stash Dante Form because by Week Nine, you know he should be back in the flow of things, and he's definitely more talented than than uh, Alfred Blue, and uh, yeah. certainly would have uh, more promise than Lamar Miller.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You are correct. You're my boy, Blue. Alfred does help you in the passing game, right? Eight catches, 73 yards, making his overall night look okay and winding up with 119 scrimmage yards. But that run offense cannot get it done. And therein lies my second point. Scotty, I know we don't talk about kickers much, but you've mentioned it to me. You've schooled me on it. I've always said at first, oh, I just like a high-performing offense. And you're like, no, no, no. What you actually may want is a team that has this kind of play offense, but can't get it done in the red zone because of no run game. And boy, do the Houston Texans fit that description. My boy Fairburn with a number of field goals. Is this the kind of offense you look at when targeting a field goal kicker? Maybe still like a dynamic playmaking quarterback, but no running game to get it done in the red zone. That's why their drives have continued to stall, resulting in field goals.
2: Exactly. But, you know, it depends on your format, too, though, because if sure. you lose points. For missed kicks, you know, Fairbairn missed a kick as well. So, you know, you mm-hmm. want accuracy, but you know, a lot of leagues don't penalize for that. I think more don't than do. So, yeah, you know, if you got the, if you have a team with a good with a good uh, offense and they they stall in the red zone, then that wouldn't be the Vikings necessarily because they'll throw it. You know, the Packers will throw it in the red zone, but if you have an offense just sputters in the red zone, period. You know, like say the Titans too, with like a Ryan suck up, you have something to scout there.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, I am in a lot of different formats. One of the uh, most common ones for me, Scott, the kicker loses points only if they miss a field goal from 30 to 39 yards. And I believe the Fairburn miss was in the 40s um, yesterday. So I have seen settings where you do get negative points for misses, but only short misses. Um, His was, I think he missed it was in the 40s and you miss an extra point obviously as well, but we shall see. I'm just saying that's the type of team that you may look for on the other side of things. Let's talk about these Dallas Cowboys Dak Prescott Again, only 208 yards. He turns the ball over twice, does have the touchdown. Listen, you know, there's, there's again, a dearth of playmakers on this offense. We know about Ezekiel Elliott, and he's, you know, just fine, right? Well, actually, he underperforms, to be quite honest. 54 yards on the ground, another 30 in the pass game. So 84 yards does not get into the end zone. You're encouraged by the seven catches. So in PPR format, you'll take the 15 points and, you know, call it a day. But honestly... Listen, Scott, we were talking about maybe Tavon, Tavon Austin as a dynamic playmaker. He gets another 44-yard play here. But we're talking about tight ends now, like Swaim and Gathers combined. Listen, let's put it this way, okay? Um, your tight ends, running back Zeke Elliott and Tavon Austin – accounted for 150-plus of Dak Prescott's 208 yards. The wide receivers, Deontay Thompson, 19 yards. Cole Beasley, 8 yards. Gallup, 6 yards. Hearns, 3 yards. There are no playmakers at the wide receiving core for these Dallas Cowboys and Dak Prescott.
2: Yeah, you can't rely on Tavon Austin. He's the best wide receiver. And, you know, Just saying that really shows you the state of the worst receiving crew in the NFL. Uh, you know, I wonder, like... You know, some people might say Buffalo, but I think if Calvin Benjamin played with Dak Prescott, he'd have better numbers. You know, Zay yeah. Jones, too. So I think they're the worst wide-receiving crew. Uh, Swabe's putting up some decent numbers, though, and tight end's a mess. So, you know, he's somebody that's at least on the tight end, two radar. And, you yeah, know, we I did see Ezekiel Elliott, you know, catch, catch a good amount of passes again last night. Seven balls. So, you know, it's, it, it's boosting his value.
1: Absolutely. Uh, Zeke at seven catches. You'll take that. And then after that, though, you know, it's Swaim, like you said, with three catches. Nobody else has more than, you know, and, and then Deontay Thompson with two catches. That's about it. As Dak Prescott completes... 18 passes on the day. We did hear over the weekend also Jerry, Go- Jerry Jones reiterate that Des Bryant will not find his home in Dallas. There is, however, there was a report. I don't know if you saw this, Scott, and I'm not necessarily suggesting it's a fit for Dallas, but I saw a report over the weekend that teams are keeping their eye on Jeremy Macklin as well. Remember, he's out there on the street as well. I know he's 30 years old, but we have seen him perform in the NFL. Um, I mean... If you're Dallas, are you are you shopping at the blue light special here? Are you looking for the bargain basement? Might you entertain something like that?
2: Uh, Jeremy Macklin wasn't very good the last what two, three years. I hear you, but him. it's I, not I, like I these
1: guys are either.
2: I, I I don't I don't even know if he could be be better than these guys. Jeremy Macklin comes off the street after like six weeks, yeah, uh, and tries to be the number one target. I don't see nothing there. It's I'm not saying he's uh, the number uh, one I'm, target, I'm, I'm, but I'm, I'm saying I'm, look
1: at what they got.
2: Yeah, but you know, that's like bringing you know, they brought in Alan Hearns. So to me, it's the same thing, and Hearns has done nothing. I, I wouldn't expect anything from Macklin either. Uh, okay. Just because they get the opportunity, I don't think they're going to produce. It's like all these guys who are on the street right now, including Des Bryant, that they're, they're, they just don't matter fantasy wise anymore.
1: Yeah, I think we've passed the point, right? Like if they were good enough yeah. to get a job, we would have known it by now. And look, on the running back side, there have been people that have been like kind of signed and cut and signed and cut who are clearly like on that emergency list, right? Like the Mike Gillisleys, the Kenyan Barners of the world who have been added and cut on, on uh, NFL rosters. But it's intriguing. I have I mean, nothing to make... base
2: this on, but my prediction yeah. with Des Bryant is he's going to not play the entire
1: season and then we'll see him come back next year. And he'll sign somewhere next year yeah. as a free agent in the offseason. I have think nothing to viable. base that
2: on. It's not no, a solid right. prediction. It's just a gut feeling. And my gut is all right now, so I'll, I'll listen to it.
1: Fair enough. And then, Scotty, we only got a few minutes left. So let's now look ahead as we close out week five. Now, I told you earlier in the show, we talked about the AFC North where no team is below 500. Scotty, we could end this week or oh, we will end this week with no team in the NFC East above 500. The Giants are 1 and 4. The Cowboys are 2 and 3. With the Eagles loss, they fall to 2 and 3. The Washington football team is the only team that could be above 500. They are 2 and 1 now, but with a loss you know, where they are underdogs down there in the dome against the Saints, they would fall to two and two. What are the things you are looking at in this game? Let me tell you what I'm looking for in this game first, Scotty. I am looking for the return of Mark Ingram and what that does to this offense. Remember how I've been saying for the whole day, the things that are good for the real-life team may be worse for the fantasy team and vice versa. I think the Mark Ingram return for the New Orleans Saints is just that. I think it is great for the New Orleans Saints, it provides them the balance that they had not had. Remember, they tried to get it with guys like Mike Gillisley and others. Now they bring back Mark Ingram. There were times last year where both Mark Ingram and Alvin Kamara were running back ones inside the top 12. And that is what I am expecting moving forward for the Saints right now. I think Mark Ingram really, really helps the New Orleans Saints, although it may slightly hurt guys like Alvin Kamara and Michael Thomas in terms of their production because now there's another option. There's both ways to play it. They lose option, but they also – the defensive the de- defense has more to focus on. How do you see the return of Mark Ingram playing into the Saints' offense?
2: Yeah, it, it, You don't want to overwork Kamara like this every single week. He's the number uh, one player in it, fantasy. Yeah, but still, like, you don't want to run him into the ground or expose him more to injury here. Uh if they 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 give him that kind of workload every week uh you expose him more to injury, etc. so I think it's good because you you want to give him a breather, you know you want to keep him fresh, especially if you're an n f l team you want to keep him for the- down for the stretch run, you know you don't want to wear him out, and I don't think fantasy players will say, well, I want him to get this many carries but yeah you know the more the more you the more you overwork the guy, the more you expose him to injury, and if the fact that he, you know he may wear down. So it, I think it's a good thing for for Kamara. As far as uh, you know, it might hurt Breeze a little bit because right. they run the ball a little bit more than if they say pass the ball and. They really haven't found a reliable receiver outside Michael Thomas. The other thing, though, is the defense is not good. This team's going to run a lot of plays, so it's it's going to uh, it's going to keep the upside going for you know guys like Kamara and Ingram because you know they're going to have to come back on the field a
1: lot because this defense is not what it was last year. Absolutely. Ted Ginn, it looks like, has been ruled out for Monday night. So you're talking about finding a pass catcher outside of Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara, I might add, because he is a pass catcher as well. We're looking at guys like potentially Cameron Meredith, the tight end, Ben Watson, yeah. although we don't necessarily recommend those guys as plays. Let's yeah, look Meredith, what's Meredith might be
2: getting phased out, and Watson is just not a thing. You know, I'll start watching tonight for maybe the emergence of Traquan, Traquan Smith.
1: Smith. May that happen. We will all have our eyes peeled for that. On the other side of things on Washington, let me ask you something, Scotty. You know – To me, the game flow is the critical factor for the Washington running back, right? If they get pulled out of their game script and have to score to try to keep up with the Saints, I see Chris Thompson on the field a lot in shotgun formations, in two-minute sets, things of that nature, and catch up in the second half. But if they keep it close, do you see maybe a revenge game for good old Adrian Peterson against one of his former teams? I personally believe Washington will be down, so I personally believe Chris Thompson will get more snaps what do you see happening here in the uh, running back room for Washington?
2: Well, you know Washington is going to try to slow the pace of the game down and establish him early. If the defense doesn't play well, I think you'll get a decent day from Adrian Peterson uh, as they stay in the game. And you know their right. their defense their defense has been playing pretty good. You know the uh, Washington might the be a to the slow Dome the pace. a different
1: challenge though.
2: True, but you know the Washington might be able to slow the pace of this game somewhat. You know, at least in the first half, so you might be able to get something out of Pete Peterson. I don't think it's an extreme like he's going to get scripted out right away.
1: No, I hear you, and I think the game flow is really important, right? But when I think about it, like. Their defense. Listen, they had Indianapolis um, at home. They had Green Bay at home with a banged up Robbers at Rogers and in a rainstorm. If I remember that one correctly, you know, it's a different challenge to go on the road in the dome and see Drew Brees and a fully stocked Saints uh, lineup. I think I, I think they are going to struggle, Scott, to keep up with the New Orleans Saints in this game. Well, the Saints you know, you're right. You know, this
2: is this is the best offense that they face, but you know, that, that defense is a sieve. So, you know, it's yeah. uh, they're gonna give they're gonna give up points. It's, they're not just gonna be behind like twenty eight to three.
1: Yeah. I hear you. So let's say this though. I do believe the Saints are gonna win here. What about these wide receivers? You know, Paul Richardson and Josh Dotson have kind of been in the doghouse. The Washington was yeah, working Doxon out on the not wide even receivers. Play. Yeah, so here's my question. My question is really around Jamison Crowder, though, Scott. I mean, this is a guy who people thought could be a wide receiver 3-4, hasn't really been targeted with Alex Smith as much. After the bye in a game where they may need to throw and catch up and stuff, I'm expecting maybe a little bounce back for Jamison Crowder. Am I crazy?
2: No, I think it'll be a lot of Jamison Crowder, Jordan Reed, Chris Thompson. I don't expect anything from Paul Richardson. I was on record in the preseason saying, you know, he wasn't going to be rosterable. I thought he was going to be a bust here. But if they do get behind, this team's not built to play catch up. I think Jamison Crowder gets his numbers and Jordan Reed within the flow of the game. I think this game's going to stay competitive for a while.
1: All right, so talk to me. The Saints are six-point favorites at home. This was one of my picks on Friday. I am laying the points. I like the Saints. Minus six tonight. What do you like tonight, Scotty? The Saints are six-point favorites. The total of this game is 52. Who do you like and where are you going? I like the Saints and the under in this game.
2: I like the Saints and uh, the over. Uh, I think Hmm. they'll cover because I think it'll be competitive for about three quarters and then they'll pull away late.
1: Yeah, I could see that as well—a three-quarter game, and then the Saints going back-to-back in drives, late third, early fourth, to get their working margin. Give me the Saints minus the six, and then that would also mean no team in the NFC East would be above 500. We'll be back tomorrow to break it all down. The King Scott Angle, the Spitting Statistician, Fantasy Sports Today. Mike Lewitt is back tomorrow on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Carton and Friends up next. Have a great day.